lights, camera, work your ass off until you're 30 years old and book your first starring role in an indie movie, action. Welcome to Bitch Out of Water. Today we're talking about being an actor and how I booked my first starring role in an indie movie. I'm Roxy Stryer. That's Steph Sabra. Hello, at my actress star. As I mentioned, it was Steph Sabra. I saw her take a massive gulp of her mug. So perfect timing on my part. It was coffee, baby. Yep, she's got that caffeine ready to go. That is Darina. Hooray for Hollywood. It's really hard to be an actor. Very excited to hear what Roxy has to say, because goddamn, this is a rough business. Yeah, well, you might be excited now, but I am about to tell you guys some things that you absolutely have never heard from me before. So here we go. I was three years old when I was in my first play. I was the bowl of mush in Goodnight Moon, and I held a massive bowl in my little arms, and I walked out on stage, and I said my one line, which was, Goodnight, mush. I don't remember much about being a kid, but I remember that. And a year later, I was Little Red Riding Hood in my next play. And then in fourth grade, my parents let me join an acting troupe. And for my birthday, I asked for a video camera and I would put myself on tape making up stories and characters. And then in high school, I was in all of my school plays. I took voice classes and I took dance, even though I'm a horrible dancer. And I took improv. And then when it came time for graduation, despite having dropped out of high school for a year and everyone thinking I was barely going to make it into any college, I auditioned into what was my dream school at USC. And I was accepted into their acting program. I moved out to Los Angeles at 18, thinking that I was the best of the best and that I was about to be a massive star. And I will never forget that in my first week of classes, One of my acting teachers said, congratulations, you were the best actors in your little hometowns. Welcome to Los Angeles, where every room you walk into, every other person was the best in their hometown. And it was true. Everyone was so good. In college, I was almost signed by two different agents. The first one I met at a Starbucks in Hollywood. And I was in the bathroom changing between auditions, which is something I used to do all the time because you didn't have time to go across town and change at home. And this guy saw me go in wearing one thing and then leave wearing something else. And so he came up to me and he said that he liked my hustle and that he was an agent who repped some really big people and he wanted to buy me coffee. And I had an actual bit of time before my next audition. So we sat and he asked me to read some sides for him. Just so you guys know, sides are just pages of a script that you audition with. And I read them for him, and he said he wanted to sign me. I couldn't believe it. I was probably about 19, 20 years old, and I thought that this was going to be my big break. He told me to come to his office on Monday, and we would hammer out the details. And then at 1 a.m. the night before I was supposed to see him, he texted me asking me to come over to his house. And I said I couldn't. And he told me that all of his clients came over to do coke with him the night before they sign. And if I didn't want to do that, that I shouldn't bother showing up the next day. And I never heard from him again. A year later, a friend set me up with another reputable agent. He had me put myself on tape, which is something that's very common. You film yourself and you send in a scene for somebody. And so I sent in these scenes and he wrote back to me that I was great, but that I needed to lose 10 pounds before he signed me. He told me that he wanted me to take a before and after picture of myself in a bathing suit on a scale to confirm that I wasn't making up that I had lost the 10 pounds. Needless to say, it didn't work out, but not for lack of trying on my part. I ate 400 calories or less a day for two weeks, and at the end of that, I still hadn't lost the 10 pounds, and I was super sick. When I graduated school, I focused on my hosting career which was really taking off, or relatively speaking. That can be a different podcast for a different time, but it's relevant here because my hosting gigs were actually how I was cast in my first movie. I was co-hosting a show for a company called Screen Junkies, and the show was Flash and Friends. I hosted it with one of my close friends, Joe Starr, and someone I idolized growing up, Jason Mewes. And if you grew up in the 90s like I did, and you knew you wanted to make movies with your life. You were also obsessed with Kevin Smith and Jay Muse. 
Kevin would create the movies and Jay would star in them alongside him, like Jay and Silent Bob or Dogma or Clerks or Mallrats. And I was completely obsessed with them. And during one of our shoot days, Jay brought a friend to the set and his name was Dom Burns, who's a very close friend of mine now. And Dom had just written the movie that Jay was about to direct. It was Jay's big directorial debut. And the two of them cast me in it as a news anchor because they saw me hosting all of the time. And I was on screen in that movie for no more than 30 seconds, but it was the absolute coolest 30 seconds of my life. And I can forever now say that I was in a movie with Jay Muse and Kevin Smith and Stan frickin' Lee, which is just so cool. My 10-year-old little girl self geeks out about that all the time. Okay, so all of this is what brought me to being able to star in my first indie film. And I feel like it's important to know how I got there. So that if you're listening to this and you're a young, aspiring actor and you realize that if this is what you want to do, it should be for one reason only. And that is that there is nothing else in the world that will make you feel fulfilled because getting to this point has been so fucking hard. And honestly, if I had to think about what the future looks like, I probably haven't even seen nothing yet. So if you are in it for the money go to Wall Street. And if you're in it for the fame, be on TikTok. And that's not a knock on either of those things. Those are just much more direct paths to fame and fortune. I, on the other hand, uh, have been on hundreds of auditions. I've been told no more times than imaginable. I've been harassed. I've been humiliated. I've been criticized. I've been ripped off. And honestly, I'm one of thousands, if not more, people with the exact same stories like this. Being an actor can be a fucking nightmare, and I wouldn't wish this dream on anybody I love. But it truly is my dream. So here I am in my 30s telling you about starring in a movie. Here is how that happened. My first year in school, I also started working as a host through an incredible accident when I met my now mentor, Kevin Undergaro, on an airplane. I was the first host for his company, AfterBuzz TV, and one of the producers for the company was named Jeff Graham. While we were at AfterBuzz, Jeff started this series called Unproduced Table Read, where a group of actors, myself included, would read some of Hollywood's best unproduced scripts. On that show, he got to see a little bit of my range. Obviously, it wasn't the whole thing because we're sitting there reading scripts, but he got the gist of it. When Jeff was a producer at AfterBuzz, like most people in Hollywood who wear several hats, he was also writing scripts. He'd written this script called Finding, and he wanted me to come to a table read at his home with several other actors and writers that he trusted to give him notes. It's something that's actually pretty common in L.A. where writers will have their work read out loud to hear what needs to be adjusted or just to get notes from people. And you always want to make sure you bring your A-game to these table reads if you're an actor because you want to make sure that your voice becomes the voice that everybody in that room thinks of when they think of that character. Anyway, we did the table read and I thought the script was awesome. Some people gave notes and Jeff asked us questions, and that was the last I heard of the script until April 2021, so over a year later, which is, again, something that's very common in Hollywood, where you'll be a part of a project and then you won't hear about that project for a year, two years, three years, five years, sometimes 10 years. But a year later, a little bit over that, Jeff asked me to put myself on tape for the role of Lola in his script that was then called What We Bury. As another tip for you guys, even if you know someone attached to a project you're auditioning for, you still have to bring your A-game. There are multiple people involved with the casting process, even on an indie film, even on a small film, so you don't even know who's making the decision. So I worked really hard on these sides. I actually think I had Steph come and tape them with me because she makes an excellent reader, and uh, luckily I have an unlimited amount of favors that I can ask her for because friendship goals. A week later, I got a call back, and when you get a call back, you either want to make sure, just as a quick tip, that you kind of look the same, wear a similar outfit or the exact same outfit because you want to bring that same energy. They're bringing you back because they like what they saw, so you want to prep in the same kind of manner that you prepped previously. And then you want to take the time to really learn your sides so you're prepared when you get asked to make adjustments. In a callback, typically, they will give you adjustments they want to see that you are directable on set or that you can make these small changes to see that you are the character that they want you to be and a lot of the times in a callback you'll get the same sides as your original audition but for this one they were different 
So it's a whole different set of sides that you have to learn. Some people are excellent at memorizing this. For me, I suck and I have to give myself hours in order to memorize things. Uh, I like to start in the morning and then check back in to see how much I retained at night. So if you're not good at auditions because you're not great at memorizing, you just have to give yourself that extra time. So then after the callback, I booked a chemistry read. And that's when they like you enough to have you start reading with the other actors that they're debating casting to see who has chemistry with one another. And then I heard nothing for two months. And at that point, of course, you figure that you didn't book it. But finally, I got the call that I had booked it. And to be perfectly honest with you, just in case this ever helps anyone, because this is not, uh, it's not the best look for me, but I want everybody to know this in case you ever find yourself in this position. What had happened was they were looking at someone who was much more famous than me, which is a thing that happens in Hollywood all the time. It was a big influencer who had millions of followers. And for one reason or another, I guess things didn't work out with that person. And that's when they called me. So it not working out with her was the biggest blessing for me. And I cannot emphasize this enough. It doesn't matter how you book the gig. Once you book something, it's yours. So my ego was not bruised. I didn't feel hurt that they wanted somebody else or that I was a second choice. I was just so fucking happy that I ended up booking the gig. So of course, I took the job. And I was the last one cast on the movie. The movie shot in Ohio in August. And I had the script about one month in advance because we're at the end of June, beginning of July when I got it. I remember reading in uh, someone's book. I think that it was Jenna Fisher that if you're shooting an indie, you need to show up with every single page memorized because you never know when they're going to switch the days you shoot certain scenes. It could be based on the weather, a rain delay, lighting, timing. And any number of things where they could completely change the order of things that you're shooting. So I had a ton of work to do. And first I read the script cover to cover three times. You want to make sure that you understand the story and what your character's position is in that story. And you want to read for any context clues to see what other people say about your character. That's really crucial. How do you move through the world? How do you view yourself versus how do other people see you? What are your relationships like? And you can only get that by really reading the script, not just reading your scenes. And then I would work on two to three scenes a day, every single day. Not only was I memorizing them, but when I got further on in the process, you would break down your motivation. Why am I saying this? Why am I doing this? What happened that made me this way? Of course, the script is going to slightly change and lines are going to get tweaked in the days leading up to shooting. And even when you are on set, oftentimes they will change lines for one reason or another. But it's really important to have this down before you get to set. And luckily with Always Lola, which ended up being the name of the movie, most of the scenes stayed really similar because it was very tight and we didn't have much time to shift things around. Because this is an indie movie, I knew that we had less than two weeks to shoot the entire thing and that it was going to be all hands on deck. So I took the initiative to ask a few of the actors I was going to be most heavily featured with if they would have Zoom hangouts with me. I wanted to build chemistry with them and talk about our backstories. Corinne, who was the girl who played my twin sister in the movie, and I had never met in person before because when we were cast for this and even when we were doing chemistry reads, there was so much stuff going on with COVID still and they had it all digital. So imagine I'm playing somebody's twin sister. I've never even been in the same room as this person. So it was crucial to both of us that we went over our dialogue. We talked about learning each other's mannerisms and looking at each other's facial expressions and making sure that we were on the same page. And it was really great to find another actress who was as dedicated to that process as I was. It's also extremely important to me to really create a look for my character that was unique to her. Since it's a low-budget indie film, as if uh, you are starting out, likely you'll be doing. Some of the clothes was going to be purchased by the film, but a lot of the pieces came from the actor's closets. And since we were shooting in Ohio, it's not like I could just run back to my closet and grab my jeans or leather pants. So I sent dozens of photos of different pieces of clothing, different hairstyles, different makeup looks, and all of this to the director, Jeff. And I asked for his opinion. Do you like this or this better? For this scene, I could go in this direction or this direction. What do you think about this? And I knew that even though Jeff had written so many scripts before, this was his first time directing. So you have to think about the fact that he's probably not thinking about what my lip color is. 
he has an entire set to run. He was slammed. So you have to take the initiative to make sure that you have everything you need getting to set. You don't want to be too pushy, but you want to make sure that you give options and make their job easier to select for you like, oh, I like the black lip color for this day or anything like that. And he was focusing on other things. And I just quickly learned that I had to be able to advocate for what I needed to do that I knew would elevate my character and therefore elevate the movie. And Jeff was great about it. And we worked together and we created this really cool like euphoria type vibe for Lola. If you're watching this as a patron right now, you can see my pink lip. And this is an homage to her because she had a lot of really funky lip colors on and throughout the movie. Pinterest was my best friend during this process. If you're ever trying to create a look for your character, go to Pinterest. That's my jam. And it's really helpful to find different vibes or makeup styles. And even though we had a makeup artist on set, I was able to show her this is the look we're trying to create for this day. This is what we're trying to create for this day. I also tried to do things to make my fellow actors process better. I think this is a really important thing to try to do when you are filming any movie, but especially an indie. An amazing actor named Sheldon plays my friend and drug dealer in the movie, and our characters connect over our music, and in the movie I actually make him a mixtape. So before he got to set, I made him a playlist of the songs that were on the mixtape, and that helped me get into the right mindset, and I know that he listened to that playlist before he shot most of his scenes. So, of course, nobody at home, you guys at home watching the movie, no audience member is going to know that I did that, and it's not about that. It's about getting into your friendship and your character and, and finding little things like music or whatever bonded you and, and really bringing that to real life. So all of this is before I even got to set. This is the stuff that you can actually control. So you have to because once you get to set, you don't want to be the person holding up production because you don't know your lines or you haven't figured out your character. And on an indie where we're shooting 101 pages in 11 days, which is an egregious amount of pages you literally don't have time to fuck up you you cannot so for always lola i was number one on the call sheet which still sounds crazy for me to say out loud it's literally my dream come true but as my favorite friendly neighborhood superhero reminds us with great power comes great responsibility so once i got to set there were some things that i learned and these are things that I wish I had known going in and things that might be helpful for you if you ever find yourself in the shoes that I was in or lucky enough to be in. And if you don't care about going to set and you're not trying to be an actor, at the very least, I think this will be interesting stuff for you to know. Of course, the most important thing that you can do is do your job. Shout out to Bill Belichick. Sorry, Dorita. And don't let any distractions get in the way. Before you're shooting, give yourself the time and the space you need away from what could possibly be a hectic set that day. Everybody on set is running around doing their thing. If you have to get in your headspace, you need to find where your zen is. Don't check your phone. Don't see what's trending on Twitter. Do not respond to people's text messages. If your love life is a mess, tough shit, that can wait. Even if something's weird happening on set, like a makeup artist puts super glue on your eyeball. Yes, that happened to me. You have to keep it pushing because you have to focus on your performance. That's the only thing from all of this that's going to live forever, not any of the other drama going around. And in the moments that you're not prepping, when you do have downtime, consider being helpful. Don't be afraid to offer help to someone who needs a hand. All indies are understaffed and everybody there is underpaid and people are there doing it for the love of art. So certainly nobody is there to throw away your trash or to carry your shit. And it doesn't make you any less of an actor to help somebody get their equipment out of their car. And on that note, you want to make sure you learn everyone's name. This is so crucial. What is their name and what do they do on set? Because you should not have people introducing themselves to you more than once. Treat them with respect and write down their name in your phone if you have to. Literally take out your notepad, not in front of them, of course, but when you get to the side, write down PA and then write their name or AD, write their name because they are so essential to be on your side on set and it's just the, the nice thing to do. When you're not filming, here's a couple other things. I think that it's really cool if you're like me, you're obsessed with film and if you want to learn about it, ask the director if you can come to set that day. Most of the times that I wasn't filming, I'd sleep, I'd hit the gym, I'd eat, and then I would go to set because I wanted to support my cast. And I also just like to watch because this is, this is my dream. This is what I love to do. So obviously I want to be there. It's a free film school 
and it's incredible to watch it from a different perspective and everybody on the set was so talented it was like just a legit pleasure to watch them Uh, i will say i was exceptionally lucky that the cast and crew were all really great on this the main six cast members and i are still on a text thread and it's been over a year we get dinner together we had a holiday party together think that that's where I got COVID but that's besides the point uh we genuinely give a shit about each other and I hear from other people my other actor friends that that's not how it always works but my advice would be to try and cultivate real relationships with people that will show on screen and it's nice to have people in this insane town uh city that is LA that are looking out for you both personally and professionally we're able to get close by always eating our meals together I read about that when I was reading about friends that they always the girls would always sit and eat their lunch together. And it's really you don't want to be that person taking your lunch and calling your girlfriend on the phone instead of sitting with people. Get to know your cast and eat with them. Go to the gym together if that's your deal. On our days off, we went and painted pottery together. And sometimes after shooting, we'd grab a drink or a bite. We watch YouTube videos and trailers because we're all artists. So we all like watching things. We'd smoke a J after shooting or go for a walk to get coffee before the day started. And that's so fun. And also it really helps you, again, both on and off screen. When you can do things that aren't just acting related, it makes it better. And even when you're tired, because of course you're gonna be tired, you're shooting 12 hour days. You don't wanna be the one person that doesn't show up for things. I know that this is a crazy comp, but sometimes you just have to push yourself. And if you're on a two week shoot, that's a good time to push yourself. Uh, Before I get questions from the girls, because I'm sure that they have some, Uh, Another tip, this one's not super sexy, but it's just something that I really wish that I knew going into this. Something that you have to remember when you're filming an indie is that you have to pay attention to your own continuity. So think about, is that what I was wearing in this scene? Because some scenes you are shooting 10 days apart from each other. Is that what I was wearing in the scene? Was my hair more messed up at the end of the day than it is at the beginning of the day? Think about how people move through the world. Was I holding the cup in my right hand or was I holding the cup in my left hand? Things like that. Because on a smaller set, everyone is so busy that those are the kind of things that slip by. And it is your responsibility to look out for your own character. Uh, On an indie set, you should still have a script supervisor. Shout out to Jordan, who was freaking awesome. But she was also working on doing our wardrobe and so many other things. And that happens all the time where you're wearing multiple hats. And so... Think to yourself, be smart about it. Remember your own continuity. Uh, Again, not the sexiest of tips, but something that I really wish going into it because then I'll watch things back and be like, oh, rocks, your arm was a little lower here. That's something you could have, you could have nailed. So that's how I got here. Hi, hi, ladies, what you got for me? Fascinating story, my dear, Miha. So I want to backtrack a little bit to you starting out moving to LA and then that transition from being a young girl that's dealing with trashy ass agents and then now actually knowing what to do on set and after what what's it been like 10 years 13 yeah it's crazy so uh just in general like do you think that if you had gotten a role like this back in the day where would you be now? Do you think you would have hated it? Are you happy that it's taken this long or not because you worked your ass off? Drina, I think about it all the time. What if I had showed up to his house to do lines of blow with him and signed with him? What would have happened? He reps some massive people. Having an agent at that age coming on the scene could have been a huge game changer for me. I think about it all the time. The what ifs kind of kill me. Same thing with the next one. What if I was able to lose those 10 pounds and fit into whatever box this was and get signed? Uh, So just so many. That's two stories of 50 stories I have about almost getting signed with somebody who did something shady like that. So I think about it and I do feel much better equipped at 31 to be an actor um, and to have any level of celebrity because at that age... You are so impressionable. I wasn't even 21 years old. And I was out here. My family is 3,000 miles away. I have no money. I'm living in shoebox apartments. And I have a dream that is so big 
that I don't know what to do with myself. So you think about doing anything, you know, sleeping with anybody, going to any party, doing whatever drug, because you don't know what your options are. And apparently being talented is not enough. So I don't know. I don't know how I would have done had I booked something back then. I know I can handle myself now. I would like to think at that age, I would have been able to figure it out. But realistically, maybe not. Maybe not. When you look back at, you know, the way you got this starring, your first starring role in a movie, it was by a work connection that you had become friends with and met. From your experience and hearing about other actors that you're friends with, how are people booking roles? Is it through connections primarily or or agents? So when you don't have an agent, you have to work so hard. Even when you do have an agent, you have to work so hard. But there are a lot of websites, uh, Actors Access, LA Casting, Backstage. There are different places you can go and self-submit. What's challenging about those things are that, number one, they cost money, as everything out here does. Number two, you have to have a headshot, which I remember my first headshots out here were $800. An average headshot session out here is $500. And that will usually give you about two to three looks edited. And that's money that when you move out here at 18, of course you do not have. That's a month rent. Yeah. You have to also have some kind of reel. So you have to have a way to put together footage or anything like that. Um, And so, yes, a lot of my friends grind and they self-submit. Now, some of the websites you pay per role you're submitting for. And so you have to be super selective. Like If you're looking at a role and you know that that's $3, which doesn't sound like that much money, but when you're submitting yourself for 40 roles a day, it is a ton of money versus if you're paying for the month there, you kind of have to really be savvy. You don't get to just be an artist. You have to be a business person as well. Uh, And so a lot of my friends do self-submit still to this day, even the ones who have representation. I self-submit like crazy. It's exhausting and frustrating. And a lot of the work on self-submissions is unpaid or extremely low paid. And then my friends that have representation their reps will submit them but if you stop if you stop booking things or if you're not able to book things pretty quickly then you get forgotten about and so you need to push your reps and tap your reps but not to the point that they drop you but to the point that they remember you and you also have to be submitting for yourself but then even if you book something for yourself and your reps didn't get it for you you still owe them money which is a nightmare in itself and makes you not want to do that. I have been repped out here before. I've never had representation that I felt saw me or appreciated me. And I find it significantly worse to be repped by the wrong reps than to be unrepped. I can live with being not repped and putting in 100% of the work for myself and then making 100% of the profit. I cannot live with putting in 100% of the work and paying somebody 10% of the profit. It's, that's a, a no-fly zone. So it's better to work your butt off, work extra hard, be your own best friend, manager, agent, representation, and book the gig than to sign with somebody who isn't working for you. Do you think in general, in the age that we live now of social media, of people actually getting roles through Twitter, right? And crazy things like that that happen, that the job of an agent will stop existing. Because I just saw a great movie called The Beta Test that based, that deals with this, where it actually, by the way, highly recommend. It's really funny. And it's a dark comedy because they're basically acting like these douchey agents that Roxy's talking about, right? That at some point they... What is their job? They just have connections because they work for a big corporation and they know somebody you don't know. Like, I don't understand the job. There are really great things about having great representation, which is why I don't think agents will go away altogether. But I do think this low tier, mid tier agent thing that we've made up 
where you don't actually even have the connections, you're just taking money from people is bullshit. The great agents, what they're able to do is get you what you're worth. One of the things that absolutely sucks about being an actor who's unwrapped is that you are fighting with the people that you have to work with, that you have to be an artist with about how many hours you're allowed to work, how much money you're getting paid. You're, you're discussing directly with them what you're worth. And when you have somebody representing you, it gives you that separation to be like, my day rate is $1,000 a day. Go fight for it for me. And then it, just in case things get a little heated, it doesn't blow back on you. That's your representation. It's really uncomfortable when you are saying to somebody, I need $1,000. By the way, it's a made up rate. I'm just saying it for even number purposes. And they're saying, we're giving you $100. And you guys are duking it out over hundreds of dollars. And then you have to perform the next day. You have to then be an actress. So I think that agents are extremely valuable. They are supposed to also be able to stand up for you for things like nudity in in movies and television or theater. They're supposed to be able to fight for you about things like what is part of your crafty if you have dietary issues or if you're a kid and and what the legality about you being on set is there are supposed to be there as a as somebody working for you as a protector of you rooting for you fighting for you but that is not what it has become and when you are with somebody who is just profiting off of you and briefly looking at your contract and being like it's fine and they maybe don't even have a law degree. It's like, this is crazy. I mean, just crazy who some of the people out there who call themselves agents are. Tomorrow, I could say, I'm an agent. You could just, I could just say I'm an agent. And then I could say, uh, Sam, Ryan, Andrew, do y'all want to be my clients? And then I could just start taking 10% of what they make. You with, with no credibility. It's crazy. Now, obviously, the top agencies, CAA, WME, most of them do have backgrounds in law and they have been doing this and they do fight for their clients. Um, there's obviously still so many douchebags, but at least a lot of them have a job to do that they're doing. <laughs> they're doing a job. Yeah, they're doing a job. <laughs> I don't think Rox mentioned this. If she did, sorry, but as a best friend, you have to rep them the always lola ended up winning one of the film festivals so far as we give this recording marina del rey film festival yeah way to rep stuff um i appreciate you and and the world girls came we did it was incredible i mean the this is all about filming the indie but in terms of the release it after we shot which was in august we are now shooting this a year literally one year later we are doing this podcast and finally it has aired twice. Once was at the Marina Del Rey Film Festival and it won. So that was the first festival we played and we won, which is, bodes really well because now we're joining the festival circuit and we'll see how we do there. But it's really exciting. And then they did a screening in Ohio because we shot in Ohio. So to like pay homage to uh, the state that we shot in, which apparently went really well also, which is incredibly cool. I finally have a movie a year later that eventually hopefully gets distribution and more people are able to see it and I know that we're gonna get into more festivals and I'm gonna be able to tweet out or social and say come see me in a movie I'm in the movie it's at a theater you could see it I can't wait for it we're just claiming it it will be available streaming I can't wait for that day but I wanted to ask about that because just knowing the process from talking to you, there was moments where you don't know if it's going to be accepted to a film festival. And then if it is, you don't know if it's going to be received well. For you, both things happened. And so, A, I want to know, like, what is that like the greatest fuel to your career fire? And B, like, have you thought about on the flip side, if that didn't happen, like, What's the next moves? Yeah, I mentioned a little bit about my hosting career in the past. I also have been working as a producer and a writer and an actress and all of the other things, by the way, and also a receptionist and a bar back and all of the, the jobs that we've all had to work because you're an artist. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying that because it is so weird to be in this position where what I did was 
do all of the pre-work, show up to set, perform, and then get no say in anything that happens. Like I am used to having all hands on deck, um, working on editing stuff, post-production, whatever I have to do, get the job done. And in this scenario for this indie movie, once I left set, I don't know what takes of me they're using. I don't know what the movie's going to look like or sound like. You just, in the director and producer and editor and composer and all of them, you have to trust. And so the fact that when we went to the Marina Del Rey Film Festival, the and you two were there, and a, a lot of my loved ones and coworkers came to support, the fact that when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, oh, this is a movie. People can, it's a real movie. You don't know. You just don't know. So that moment of relief and just excitement over the fact that it's a, a real movie that's on screen that I like, that I'm in, is like beyond words, that feeling in that moment is beyond words. There's, there was no, nothing that could have, in my 31 years of life, there was nothing that could have prepped me for feeling that joy and relief in that moment. So I think that if I hadn't had that and say it wasn't well received, you know, we got a standing ovation. There were people in the rafters. We won the entire festival. So if if that is how it didn't go down, I think I would have been fucking devastated. And that is probably how it works for 95% of people in their first indie movies. What I do know, though, about myself is I would have been fucking devastated and then I would have tried to book my next thing. So now I'm I'm fucking elated and trying to book my next thing. So the, the outcome wouldn't have actually been different because as previously mentioned to you guys, I can't do anything else. This is what I was born to do. So I don't, I, there's no amount of devastation that's going to be like, I'm actually going to stop doing this. Uh, it just would have sucked. It would have, it would have sucked, but it wouldn't have deterred me. And I'm, I feel awful for all the people whose first indies come out and they bomb. I remember for the first movie I was in, Madness and the Method, I did not, it was not received as well. And it was so exciting for me because it was star studded and it was a blast. And I actually think that they did a really great job with it, but it was definitely not received as as kindly. And I rem- remember just feeling bummed for the people involved. It made me view how people critique movies differently because it's like, yo, everybody really fucking tried. Like some critics are out there thinking you didn't try. Everybody on set is trying. Nobody's there trying to make a movie that you don't like. There's nobody's goal. Nobody's sitting there putting all of their money, all of their time, all of their energy, hoping that people rag on something. And I I felt worse than for me, probably because I only gave up, I only gave it two days of my life to that movie. Worse than for me, I felt so bad for everybody involved who just didn't get the reception that I think they were hoping for. That makes sense. And I remember going to that festival and Steph and I were just so happy for Roxy that not only did the movie turn out well, but I mean, I've probably never seen her cry this much <laughs> because I was a baby. Because <laughs> we, you know, we were there uh, giving her a uh, bat mitzvah card and everything. And, you know, her family was there. It was just it, it was just a beautiful thing to see what she's talking about, because I don't think most people understand that, right, that it's so easy for us to write a stupid review online about a movie and trash it, completely forgetting that there's a huge group of people behind the scenes, not just the director, not just the producers, not just the actors, but everybody from the janitorial services to the catering to the, you know, the lighting guy, like there, it's a crew of people that's working hard to create art that will impact people and make them feel good about life, right? Like that's the whole point of, of filmmaking. So why do you think, Roxy, that they were looking for an influencer first? That's the dumbest thing to me because fame does not equal talent. So I think what happened was they were not looking for an influencer. They were looking for me. And I was auditioning through the process and they wanted me. And then what I believe happened, although 
honestly, I didn't ask many clarification questions because it didn't matter to me. But what I believe happened was an influencer reached out to them or like fell in their lap and was like, this is something I'm looking to do. And of course, if I was a producer on this movie, just being 100% transparent, I would look into that. Because when somebody has, and I'm not talking about a small, this person I think has 50 million followers or something. I mean, this person is massive. Uh, When somebody has that kind of clout and you are making a low budget indie movie that you don't know if a single person will ever see it. But if you know if you put this person in the movie, that somebody's going to watch. You don't know that's going to be good, but you know somebody's going to see it. You, You have to think about that. And I, I get it. I really do. Unfortunately and fortunately, what we have seen through Hollywood so far is that influencers aren't necessarily actors. And so what I describe to you guys is my truth. I have been acting since I was three years old. That's the truth. I have been in so many plays, so many classes, And I'm not saying that if you want to be an actor that you need to have had my path. Absolutely not. If you decide at 50 years old, I want to be an actor. Fucking great. Put yourself in a class, baby. You got it. You got to put yourself in. Take a class. Learn something. Do a master class. uh, Take an improv class. You got to do something. But influencers don't do that. And I don't know about this specific influencer, but they think I am a performer. I can do this. But just because you can perform or even if you can host or you can sing, it doesn't mean you can embody a character. So I think that it is a really risky move because it does mean you will get or could get more eyes and ears on your project, but it doesn't mean that that project will be good. Right. And so that's really risky. And so I'm I'm glad that things worked out the way that it did, but I get it. Like if I was somebody who was putting my own money, you know, my director and my producer funded this film. If you are putting thousands of dollars of your own money into something, you've got to think about how are you going to make that money back or how are you going to make something that anybody ever sees? So it does make sense to me, even though it is, of course, as an actress, incredibly frustrating that if I've lost out, I can't even tell you how many roles I've lost out to people because they have bigger followings than me. That's in the hosting space and the acting space. And I am more talented than than them, more dedicated than them, out audition them and lose the job anyway. Luckily in this scenario, that's not what happened. But that has happened to me so many fucking times. It's very frustrating. It's so frustrating because y'all know I come from the music industry and it was a similar thing where the artists that would get signed in the mid 2000s were reality TV stars. Right. They weren't even singers because uh, back in the day when autotune started existing, you're like, anybody can sing, you know, love Selena Gomez. She's 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 a good actress, but she's not a singer. And the reason she's successful is because you can produce their voices to sound like they can sing. Right. So that happened all the time. And it was very frustrating to see that fame uh, sometimes matters more than talent to all kinds of executives in the entertainment industry. And so I'm so glad that always Lola turned out the way it did because you get the starring role that you had to another actress that's not as good, it, com- it could have completely changed the movie. And it's not to another actress, D. She's not an actress, right, exactly. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So I'm really glad and in, in so much credit to them for this movie, the director, Jeff, called me himself to tell me what happened. Typically, Hollywood is so full of bullshit that they'll just be like, we want you. And they won't tell you what happened in the two months that they didn't hear from you or why everybody else has been cast. They just say, it's you, baby. It's always been you. (laughs) Like, And so the fact that he called me and was like, I have always thought you were perfect for this role. You are who I want in this role. Here is what happened. How do you feel? Do you want to take this? Um, I was really honored. Like, I was in Chicago. I was I was with my friend, one of my best friends of childhood, Chris. We had just gone to the gym. And in Chicago, this is a crazy cool thing about the gyms in Chicago. 
on the rooftops of a lot of their gyms are bars <laughs> as part of the gym. Don't understand that. But after the gym, we were getting a drink on the rooftop and we're sitting there and I got a call and I hadn't spoken to him in a while. So I was like, huh, let me just pick this up. And he told me, he told me what happened. He told me I'd been cast and I got off the phone and I just looked at Chris and I was like, I just booked a fucking movie. And he's like, you just booked a fucking movie. And I was like, I booked a fucking movie. <laughs> like we were screaming at each other because he knows he watched me give up everything for this. Like I left. I'm the only one of my friends who lives 3000 miles away. They all live in my hometown. I am single. I am childless and I don't want to be childless. I am all of these things uh, and live alone. I'm everything I am because they all watched me leave to follow this. And so he was screaming with me. Not one of my words out of my mouth was like, it's a bummer though because I was the second choice. Like who who gives a shit? Totally. You got the part. Yeah, I got the part. In a good movie. Yeah. Totally. In a good movie. And you killed it. Thanks, babe. Yeah, there's no... Uh, when you watch a movie, when the casting is done right, you think something along the lines of no one else could have played that role like that. And that's what you did. But you spoke a little bit about um, hosting and like the other jobs you've had. We have a question from one of our patrons. If you're not a patron already, patreon.com slash the world girls. Oh, we're done with the questions. I'm so sad. All right. <laughs> Are you are you me, Darina? <laughs> yeah, I literally just became Roxy, and I was like, I got one more question, and Steph's like, Nope, D, I'm keeping us on time, baby. <laughs> Keep them wanting more. Life's tough, you know. I know, I know. She did that. Good job, good job, Steph. Good job. Yeah, yeah. We got a part two, maybe. We'll see what the reviews say. Uh, Ryan Payne says. Were you able to use any of your experiences as a host and an interviewer to help with analyzing the script to better understand and connect with your character, Lola? I would say no, that I was not able to use any any of my hosting skills with Lola. She is a was a very powerful character who is nothing like any of my uh, hosting skills. She is extremely erratic and sensitive and a very she's in like the depths of my soul and luckily I was able to use all my acting classes for that but my hosting skills have helped me immensely navigate a set because I as a host it is my job to read the room and read people and it makes it really helpful that I know when to go up to somebody and when not to go up to somebody. I know when something's a big deal and when something's not a big deal. And I know now how to ask questions in a way that doesn't rub people the wrong way. Now, I'm not saying I do that perfect 100% of the time, but where Roxy was 13 years ago before hosting and where I am today, I know that my hosting skills have really helped my set experience, which is equally as important as your who you are as your character is who you are on set all of these stories that come out about people in these beautiful brilliant performances but then offset you're fucking sending your used condoms to people or you're screaming at people or being belligerent it's insane you do not have to be a prick to be a talented actor that is something we have made up as a society you could be a nice helpful human being and be really good I know that for a fact. I've seen people do it. You don't have to be a jackass. So I think that th those things are equally as important. And so the hosting helped me not be a jackass. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to do the bare minimum and not be a fucking asshole. So uh, pros and cons on this one. Pros and cunts for this. There are many pros, as I mentioned. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me, You've given 31 years of your life to something and you finally booked a little indie role. Is it worth it? My answer has to be yes. Yes, it's all I ever wanted. And so I can't explain that enough to people. Some people I feel so envious of because they don't have a dream. They want to be happy and they have so many things that would make them happy. I have a singular dream and I have other things that I want to accomplish in my life, but when you have a singular dream, I, I know the girls saw me when I came back from set. It was the happiest I've ever been in my life. 
I just, I woke up every day on set feeling like I was doing what I was meant to do on this earth. And I gave it my all. I I smiled ear to ear. I was crying of happiness. And I came back, I said out loud to the girls, I'm never not going to be happy again. Like that is legitimately how I felt. So the biggest pro is that if you are a true artist, when you finally get to make art, then it is so incredible and worth it. The cunts are so many. The biggest one is the fact that if you are in an indie, low-budget movie, you are getting paid either a non-livable wage or no money at all. And that's based on whether the movie sells or doesn't sell. You are working so many hours for either next to nothing or nothing. And you can't just be a low-budget indie movie actor. You have to work other things. It doesn't, you don't make enough money to live doing that uh, or to feed yourself or let alone another human being. It also is exhausting because you are typically on a movie set, you film three pages a day. And on this, we were filming 11 pages a day. And I know 11 pages doesn't sound like a lot, but it is so many. And uh, on an indie, you get one or two takes. And if you don't like what you did in that, tough shit, that's what made it to the screen. So those are some major, major cons, which are outweighed by the pros, but those are still a few cons. Money's a cunt for like half the episodes that we do, guys. Sucks. I feel like that's like... Every episode, it's like, what's the biggest con? Let's go back to the barter system. Yeah. Settlers of Catan, I'm ready. Well, thank you guys for being a bitch out of water with us and learning about starring in an indie movie. If you want to get all the World Girls things, then go to patreon.com slash the World Girls. So you can watch our podcast, take things live. You can ask questions, see our beautiful faces, get a bunch of cool benefits while being part of the best community on the interwebs. We go live on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash the world girls every Wednesday and Sunday night. And don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter and TikTok at the world girls and on Instagram at world girls WAP. You don't want to miss our social media, y'all. We are next leveling there. We recently started this podcast. We're still new here. So please, one of the best things you can do for us is tell your friends about us. Spread the good word. Subscribe. Leave a review. We take those reviews. We post them on social. That's how much they mean to us. We text about them. We talk about them in the cars. Your reviews mean everything to us. And that's how other people find our shows. So it's really helpful. The show must go on. But this show is over right now. So uh, stay wet, my friends. Bye.